0: Sermons from Union Chapel Baptist Church. So, we'll continue our series through the book of Matthew. We're going uh, verse by verse to get the whole Word of God and His counsel in context. And so, we'll be in Matthew 10 and starting in verse 16 today. And the title of today's message is Enduring Persecution. So, last week we saw the grace of God in choosing his 12 apostles and how, we're, how they were to be sent out. They were first to be sent out to the lost sheep of Israel, and they were sent out to heal and proclaim the kingdom of God by the authority Jesus gave them. That's what we looked at in the previous verses. And we saw that while they'll meet people who will welcome them in, they'll meet people who will accept the gospel. <laughs> They will also tell the message to people and they will reject it. People will, will reject Jesus. So Jesus will now warn them in, in our passage today. Jesus will warn them and prepare them for future persecutions. And We're going to look at four main points today in these four, four main sections. I broke this passage up. The first is that we should be wise yet innocent. In verse 16. Second, we should not worry Instead, we should bear witness by the Spirit, 17 through 20. And then the third point, we should endure to the end, 21 through 25. And fourth, we should not fear man, but we should fear and trust God, 26 through 31. Another pastor, Philip Green, gives this really uh, apt illustration for today's passage. Uh, Philip Green uh, tells the story and if you've seen the movie of The Perfect Storm in which it portrays the danger of the fishing industry even in modern times. Their families and the whole town was hurting financially so in the movie and in the book that it's based off they decide to risk everything travel to a remote but fertile fishing ground during the unpredictable stormy month of October. On their way back home they encounter the perfect storm of 1991 and then they were never heard from again the author of the book noted that not only does everyone know someone who has died at sea but everyone who is working in the fishing industry they have almost died he says the fact is that the fishing industry is one of the most dangerous jobs it takes courage to be a fisherman it takes courage as well to fish for souls of people Jesus has called us to make disciples, be fishers of men. This is not a job for the fair weather Christian. We must be willing to spend time with people, sharing the word as God gives us the opportunity. We must risk ridicule, risk rejection, risk persecution, and some around the world even risk death. So, in light of the hard task ahead of us, let us listen closely to Jesus' warning and to his instruction as we seek to bear witness about him. So starting in verse 16, Jesus says, Look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. So even though he's sending his disciples, they they themselves are sheep going out to seek the lost sheep. They will encounter wolves along the way. Being like a sheep surrounded by wolves is obviously not the ideal situation. It is a dangerous, life-threatening state of life. Sometimes when we go on mission for God, we will be in this life-threatening situation. But what Jesus is saying here, that it's worth it. It's worth it for the sake of the kingdom, and it's worth it for the sake of the lost sheep. And even though they are sheep following and trusting their good shepherd... Jesus doesn't want us uh, to be totally like sheep in every way. Instead, Jesus tells us that we need to be strewed, that is, to act with wisdom. As Jesus talked before about how the wise man builds his house on listening to him, so also the disciple should be wise in these dangerous situations. While there is still danger, we should not check our heads out at the door. We are not to live blindly without weighing the options. We are not to be, as one commentator puts it, helpless and gullible. Instead, we are to be crafty, creative, quick on our feet. And in our case, Jesus says, crafty like a serpent, like a snake, able to get out of the way quickly when trouble strikes. And if it comes down to it, we may die for the cause of Christ, but we should also strive to live so we can continue sharing the good news with others. We can also be wise like a snake in its ability to be quiet, to be patient, awaiting the right opportunity. When we share the good news of Jesus, we must be wise and we should also be able to assess the situation. Sometimes it will be better to wait and speak at another time. Or just be wise in how we speak. Learning from the wisdom of Proverbs can be helpful. For example, we learn from Proverbs 15 how a harsh word can stir up anger and as one commentator writes he says Christians should therefore avoid unnecessarily provoking their opponents so while the topic of sin and we we talk about sin with people and how we need to submit our lives to Jesus as the king this might perhaps offend people but the point is that we should not get in the way of the message we should not be unnecessarily provoking. We should not be, uh, have a harsh word towards people, but we should be lovingly sharing the gospel with them. So we should think about our word choice. We should think about our tone of voice. Now, while Satan took the form of a certain serpent in Genesis 3, because the serpent was the, the most cunning, crafty, and wise animal, he did not use his cunning for good, but for evil. Jesus makes clear that we should not be like him because we should be as innocent as doves. As followers of Jesus, we should be innocent. We should be pure. As Paul elaborates in Philippians 2.15, he describes us as children of God. We should be faultless, even when the world around us is morally crooked and twisted. One commentator points out this word of innocent here likely carries the idea of a childlike simplicity. In that, like a child, his intent is obvious to all. My kids can't hide their intentions very well. They, they, you know exactly what they're trying to do. While we should be wise, creative, and cunning, we are not to hide our intentions. We are not trying to deceive people. We are simply sharing with them the message of God. We are sharing with them the testimony of who Jesus is and what he's done. Even if we are wise... Even if we are innocent in our our mission, the mission is still dangerous. So Jesus warns us, which goes into our second point, that we should not worry, but we should bear witness by the Spirit. Verse 17, he says, Beware of them, because they will hand you over to local courts and flog you in their synagogues. Again, Jesus is calling his disciples to be wise. To beware, he says, to stay alert, be knowledgeable of this possible danger. And the danger in their time included flogging, which is, as one commentator explains, it's when an officer would strip the condemned person, binding his hands to a pillar or with a person lying down, then a servant of the synagogue would stand on the stone behind the condemned person and strike him with multiple straps of animal hide as hard as he could. And this is the same be- same beating that will also be given to Jesus in John 19:1. Not only will they be brought before Jewish leaders in the synagogues, they will also be brought before Gentiles and Romans, verse 18. You will even be brought before governors and kings because of me, to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. So interestingly here, Jesus he turns his focus away from the persecution itself and turns to the blessing in the midst of persecution. He turns to the opportunity to bear witness. That is, to give their testimony about Jesus and what he's done and who he is. And Jesus is likely referring to the time period after his death and resurrection with these warnings. So the apostles will be able to provide firsthand testimony of Jesus' resurrection, as it says they were actually going to be doing in Acts chapter 4. Jesus warns them now and seeks to prepare them beforehand of the forthcoming persecution. Because despite the rejection of many and the sufferings they will incur, they are called to share the testimony of Jesus and not be ashamed of it, as we see in 2 Timothy <clears> 1 8. <throat> Additionally, as one commentator points out, with this prominent platform for the testimony of Jesus to the governors and kings, this will actually help spread the gospel to all nations and all peoples. In a sense, then, What people meant for evil, because they rejected the message. They sought to persecute Jesus' followers. They sought to shut their message down. God uses it for good, for the spread of the gospel. Likewise, we should see every situation, whether good or bad, even in the midst of persecution, rejection, or suffering, we should see it as an opportunity to bear witness about Jesus. While the pain and suffering in this life is real, Having this God's missional perspective can transform how you view the situations in your life. And given that these opportunities to witness about Jesus, Jesus also gives his followers great encouragement. Verse 19, he says, But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you are to speak, for you will be given what to say at that hour, because it it isn't you speaking but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. So God, again, knows our hearts. He knows the hearts of his people because we are quick to worry. We are quick to have anxiety, especially in terms of public speaking. If I called on probably 90% of people in here, all right, come up here and talk for five minutes, they'd be like, nope, I'd rather do anything else. And so Jesus tells them, he says, he's already told them not to worry about anything. He says in chapter 6, we looked at how Jesus told them not to worry about the necessities of life. Don't worry about food, water, and shelter. You can trust in God for these things. While we are to be wise, while we are to think through what we are to say and how we can say it, we must not venture into anxiety. Having, that is, we should not have a lack of faith in God's provision. Because just like God is the ultimate source for our physical necessities and we are to trust in Him, we are also to be responsible to work and provide for our families. In the same way, God is the ultimate source of our testimony about Jesus. The Spirit speaks through us. We should depend on Him and not worry. But it is still our responsibility to know the testimony about Jesus and speak to the best of our ability. But all the while realizing it, realizing that is by the grace of God. In us. Because as one commentator points out, that we should not uh, use this passage out of context, out of the rest of the Bible, as an excuse for lazy preachers and lazy teachers who do not study, who do not prepare, but insist that their speech be just spontaneous, off the cuff. We are to prepare, we alter to study, we are to dig deep into God's Word and explain it and teach it rightly. Nevertheless, there is also a warning here for preachers and teachers and those who bear witness about Jesus not to do it with the guidance of, without, not to do it without the guidance of and dependence of the Holy Spirit. It is by God's grace of who we are and what we can do, so that no one can boast, no one can brag, but all glory goes to God. And not only will followers of Jesus face persecution from the authorities, they may also face persecution. From their own families. Which goes into our third point, we should endure to the end. As we look into verse 21, Jesus says, Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. One commentator rightly describes this passage. As one of the most heartbreaking, One's own family members will hand them over to the authorities to be put to death, because they were followers of Jesus. And it's not just family members, but Jesus broadens the scope of the persecution as possibly being hated by all kinds of people. They were hated because of Jesus' name. That is, that they were hated because they testified about who Jesus was and what Jesus did. In following Jesus, we may lose our relationship with our very brother or sister. But we must remember, in Jesus, we have spiritual brothers and sisters. In following Jesus, you may lose your relationship with your earthly father. But through Jesus, we can have a restored relationship with our heavenly father. In following Jesus, we may lose our relationship with our kids But in Jesus, we can disciple spiritual kids in the faith. And Jesus also promises to the one who endures that is, the one who remains faithful to Jesus, the one who does not reject Jesus for the sake of being liked, for the sake of maintaining that relationship of their natural family, or to be accepted by someone those whose ultimate allegiance is to King Jesus and not to any other king, Jesus promises. Those people who endure, those who remain faithful to him, will be saved. And Jesus is not referring to salvation from physical death, but salvation from sin. In other words, those who endure, those who remain faithful to Jesus, even in the face of persecution and death, Jesus Jesus promises eternal life, which should be the greatest encouragement of all to endure persecution. So while they may face death, Jesus also instructs them to be wise yet again in the midst of persecution. For he says in verse 23, he says, When they persecute, in one, persecute you in one town, flee to another. For truly I tell you, you will not have gone through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So last week we saw in chapter 10... Verse 14, how Jesus told his disciples to actually shake off the dust of their feet when someone does not accept the message of the kingdom. Similarly here, he instructs them to flee persecution, if they can, and spread the good news to another town. Because like last week, we saw that we are responsible for sharing Jesus' message. We are not responsible nor have the ability to make them believe. Jesus' focus again here is on spreading the message. Because the harvest is abundant and there are many, many people that need to hear this message. That's why he tells them, you, have, you will not have gone through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now there's a lot of questions on what Jesus is talking about here. Like, and especially when you get into the Bible and you ask about questions of timing, there's going to be varied interpretations. For example, some argue that Jesus is referring to his meeting up with the disciples before they complete this mission. It's a so very local return. Some argue that it is a reference to Jesus' resurrection. Some say it's uh, the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. And lastly, most argue that Jesus is referring to his second coming, when he will come again. While it is a difficult decision between these um, I side with uh, Dr. Quarles, my mentor, surprisingly, I know. Namely, that he argues uh, that Jesus is referring to his resurrection. Because the Son of Man reference, that he's referring to himself here as the Son of Man, it refers to Daniel 7.14, as we talked to a couple weeks ago before. So Daniel 7.14 refers to the Son of Man receiving authority. And we know from Matthew 28, 19, that Jesus receives all authority in heaven and on earth right after his resurrection. Nevertheless, the point here in this passage is that there is a lot of people that need to hear the gospel message. That's the main point. So if you can flee from those who reject it and are persecuting you, do so. So with all this talk about persecution and suffering, Jesus puts their suffering in perspective To his suffering. In verse 24. He says a disciple is not above his teacher. Or a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher. And a slave like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebub. How much more the members of his household. So in other words. As one commentator writes. That the student disciples. Should not expect better treatment. Than their teacher, master has received. If Jesus will be beaten, if Jesus will be crucified, why should his disciples expect anything better? And the Pharisees claim that Jesus did his miracles by the power of Satan. In Matthew nine thirty four, and others will claim that Jesus is actually Satan. That's what Beelzebub is just another name for Satan back then. So they will actually claim that Jesus is Satan himself doing these miracles. So not only will the persecution be physical, but persecution may also come theologically in that people will actually claim that our message about Jesus and claim that Jesus himself are evil. And if you are part of Jesus' household, that is, if you're part of Jesus' family, then don't be surprised when they call you evil and they call you from Satan as well. It it really is a depiction of calling uh, good evil and evil good. And like Jesus endured and remained faithful to the Father's will, let us also imitate our master and remain faithful and endure to the end. And knowing that this will happen, knowing that persecution will happen, Jesus gives us one last instruction. It's our fourth point here. Don't fear man, fear and trust God. In verse 26, he says, Therefore, don't be afraid of them since they are nothing, There is nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. So Jesus has already encouraged us not to be anxious. And now he encourages us that we do not need to be afraid. That, more specifically, we can't afford to be afraid. We cannot be paralyzed by fear into silence. Because Jesus has given us a mission to be the light of the world. The good news of Jesus should shine in the light, shine in the darkness, to be proclaimed to all people. Jesus explained that the kingdom, he explains the kingdom in detail to his disciples. Jesus explains the parable, he teaches in parables to the crowds. And explaining the parables to his disciples. And so one way the Apostle Matthew actually fulfills the mission here is he writes down what Jesus is teaching. He writes down the secrets of the kingdom for everyone to read. And so as you learn more about God, as you learn more about his word, we are called to share those insights with others. Because of the importance of the message, we cannot be afraid of those who will persecute us. We must share this message with everyone. And Jesus gives us a second reason why we should not fear. Verse 28, he says, Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So we need not fear when we recognize the weakness of our enemies. We need not fear when we recognize the limitations of our persecutors. Jesus says they can destroy your body, but they can't destroy your soul. We are more than a body. We are more than just a collection of cells. There is an immaterial part of us called our soul. So we shouldn't fear humans. We shouldn't fear those who can only destroy our physical body. Instead, Jesus says we should have a healthy fear of God because he is the one who has the power and authority over our very souls. As one commentator points out, that there are two types of fear here. Two fears contrasted. We have the fear of man, which is self-interested cowardice. But the fear of God is a healthy response of awe and obedience in the face of the Almighty. So because of the healthy, awe-inspiring, respectful fear, we seek to obey His command and proclaim the good news. And also because we know of His power and we know of His justice, this too should spur us on to share the good news so that people can be saved from this destruction. So when it comes down to sharing the good news and remaining faithful in the midst of persecution, will we fear man or will we fear God? Furthermore, through having this healthy fear of God and turning to Him in faith and trust through Jesus' death, we experience the great love and grace of God who while having the authority to condemn, while God has the authority and the power and it would be just in his condemnation, by his grace, he has saved us and is our loving, heavenly father. Which Jesus speaks of God's love in the next verses, verse 29. He says, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet one of them falls to the ground without, yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So Jesus gives us another reason why not to be afraid. Because we are worth more to him. We are worth more than birds to our Father. And since God is sovereign over the birds of the air, he doesn't even allow one of them to fall without his consent. How much more are we worth To our Heavenly Father. He knows everything about us. He knows every hair on our head. And likewise, He will not let one hair from our head fall without His consent. Because of God's sovereignty, that is, because of His control, His power over these things, our worth to Him as children, and He our Father, that is not diminished, no matter the situation. Jesus tells us not to be afraid. Instead, we are to trust in our Father. Even if one of our hairs falls to the ground, even if our whole body falls to the ground, we are no less worthy and we are no less loved by God. God's love for us and his sovereignty, even over pain and suffering, are seen together on the cross. We see the betrayal. We see the beating. We see the ultimate death of of Jesus that was not something out of God's control but it was meant to be it was prophesied to happen according to Acts 2 Acts 2:23 2, which shows us God's love for us for on the cross Jesus took the punishment that we deserved so because of this we need not fear we need not worry we can trust wholly in God this does not mean that hardships and persecutions will not come but to the contrary Jesus has repeatedly warned us and has repeatedly prepared us to be ready, to be as wise as serpents, to be as innocent as doves, and in the midst of persecution, use each and every situation as an opportunity to bear witness about him. And again, he tells us not to worry what we will say, but depend on the Spirit, for he will speak through us. Even if your closest friends and your family reject it or reject you, Because of your faith in Jesus, Jesus calls us to endure to the end by trusting in your heavenly Father and seeking help from your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us imitate our master. Let us imitate our teacher. Let us imitate our Savior, who sacrificed much for the sake of others. Thanks for listening. For more information, see unionchapelbaptist.org.